As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Spencer. Thanks for joining us on the 23 Personnel. I've totally threw this all in reverse order. Thanks for joining us. I'm Spencer, your host, joined, as always, by Michael. Hey, well, you, Welcome back. you've been flying solo for the last three episodes. I haven't had to bring anybody in. I just like just jump in. And now I'm like, well, but just I'm been doing this. I've, I've been replaced by you already. <laughs> you've, you've replaced me with you. It's fine. It, it wasn't an easy task. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> Running 129 episodes. Well, hold on. This is this is episode one thirty, yeah, twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty seven, one hundred and twenty six episodes with a co host, and then to do three in a row by myself was not easy. But it you made did, it sounded easy because I, I I did a heck of a lot of editing. <laughs> well, you did you did a you did a fine job. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed getting my news fixed while I was out on the sunny beaches of uh, Aloha Beaches of Florida, up in the Panhandle. On the Gulf side, it was just gorgeous. It's gorgeous out there. Well, we're glad that you're back. You traveled safely. You had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, I did. And one thing I wanted to point out, too, is I haven't seen you long enough to n- notice that the beard, the beard's coming back. The beard's back, everybody. You've, you've, uh, you're complimenting the mustache with the beard now. So I decided I was going to grow it back out. Yeah, um, I was not going to shave my mustache to kind of grow it in together because it's the slowest growing. So I just gonna, I'm just going to rock the little bit longer mustache with a short beard for a little bit. It's going to look it looks strange, but it's fine. You're good. Um, yeah, I'm just <laughs> if there is it's it's still something to get used to. It's still like I I can still see that the mustache is longer. Yes. Yeah. It's an interesting fashion choice. Yeah. Okay, so on this episode we have we still have fo- football. Ugh. We still have football to talk about. Um we're going to talk about some of the coaching carousel slash silly season as some people like to call it, wrapping up the 2019 season for Texas Tech. Some interesting statistical research I did this afternoon. Mhm. We're going to move over to basketball. The unceremonious drop from the AP poll that the Red Raiders are suffering from. We will talk about our favorite hot sauces, of course, what we learned. If you would like to follow us on the Twitter to get more of a, a constant and to maintain constant contact with us, put it that way. <laughs> you're going to get, so get more of a constant annoyance that that's, <laughs> totally possible all right you can follow the show at 23 personnel it's two three personnel at punts suck 
That's me and at Michael underscore LBK. Um, before we get into football, though, I did see this afternoon. Oh, my nose itches. It happens. It happens at this house this time of year. I didn't take my allergy medicine. I have not sneezed, though. So we're good. Well, you shouldn't have said anything. I know. No. The Texas Tech baseball team, their College World Series and Big 12 championship rings came in. How about that? And they look nice. I, I enjoyed the way you worded it on the 23 personnel account saying Tech's latest Big 12 championship rings are in. Because it's like their fourth in five years. Yeah. Or whatever it is. You were just making sure people understood that you weren't tweeting an old photo from 2018 or or 2016 or something. No, this is the latest one. Mm -hmm. You can find that if you, if you look up the Texas tech baseball Twitter account, it's one of their latest posts. They had a couple shots of the rings. Great looking hardware pieces of jewelry there. Yeah, they're pretty mag. I'm scrolling through them right now. Can you imagine? I can't imagine having something like that. Uh, I have my tech ring, which I hardly wear anymore, anymore. Hardly wear anymore, but I don't, yeah, definitely don't have a college World Series ring. It's definitely a, a boost of confidence to see that uh, success represented in some, some permanent jewelry. Sure. Speaking of confidence, I'm Michael. Oh. <laughs> guys, not Michael, but guys. Do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence. There it is. In bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. I'm not sure why that matters. And since they're chewable, they work up twice, up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity <clears throat> arises. I wonder if that's like eating and going swimming. They don't want you to eat so close to that activity. That's true. There, there could be some sort of a correlation there. Who knows? Blue Chew says you can eat. You can take it on a full stomach. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person's visit, doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code armchair just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e chew.com promo code armchair to try it for free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast michael yes i have to ask you are you ready to talk about some football let's talk about some football go tigers Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath Derek Moore, breaks the tackle, still running. Up the sideline, turns on the juice, touchdown. 
So Harold in the shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's the worst. Red Raider, unbelievable. Touchdown. Oh, Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. Okay, so there's a highlight in there from when Texas Tech hosted Oklahoma State. Field goal kicker Matt Amendola hits the upright and like clangs off the other. You boom. Ah, yeah. he missed it. Yeah. That same thing happened in the Iron Bowl this weekend. Did oh, you watch that, that was game? that was glorious. I, can you imagine? Can you imagine, if you will, scoring forty-five points in the SEC and losing? Gary Danielson is a a unit. He is a national <laughs> treasure. If you have followed his one eighty on offense, his takes on offense, when the SEC was all about defense and scoring twenty points and winning a game. That's what it was. It was you can't you can't play football unless you play defense. You can't win unless you do it like the SEC is doing. Two years later, whatever, when Alabama installs and spread offense, he's all about scoring points. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Uh, a little bit different take from what you've normally seen. But yes, I did get to watch the end of that game. I couldn't believe the amount of breaks that Auburn got the fact that uh, and this turned out to be a really big freaking deal that Auburn even got to attempt that field goal at the end of the first half there's just no way I missed that part. Saban was completely right there was um they were arguing that there was one second left on the clock so they got a first down with one second left on the clock and they're driving and they don't have any timeouts and uh Auburn's coach, who I'm blanking on, you know, they move the chains and then all you'd have time to do is snap the ball and that's the end of the half. But because he made such a big deal out of it, like, no, there should be one second left. There should be one second left. They basically had a timeout. And so they were able to put their field goal unit out on the field and snap the ball with one second left. I mean, they nice. It, there was no way that they were going to be able to, okay, we made a first down. As soon as they get the chain set, we've got to get our field goal unit. Anyway, mm-hmm. so they kick a 50-something yard field goal, make it, and win by three. Well, there's a whole second half of football after that. There was that, a whole though. second half of football that involved two pick sixes. Well, see, that's in crazy. The game, in the game. Crazy bad luck. Well, one for Bama, crazy good luck for Auburn. On that second one, like it was it was stacked up against Auburn. They had like three Alabama had three first and goals because like they had a, a first down on a penalty twice. Mm-hmm. So Alabama got first and goal three times on that drive. And then on the last one, they brought enough pressure coming off the edge where the Alabama quarterback wanted to throw it. He rushed his throw through it a little too early, hit his running back in the back with the ball, which I thought was funny. The linebacker in coverage basically caught the ball off the bounce, yeah, off his back off his, shoulder pad, off his or whatever, back. and then returned it a hundred yards. The thing that I really enjoy about some of these SEC games, especially Auburn and Jordan Hare Stadium, the cameras are placed in such a way that, like, when that stadium's rocking, the camera is rocking. That end zone shot where the the linebacker was coming towards you, that camera was like, <laughs> it was yeah. like on on a spring or something it was nuts they were that stadium was rocking well there wasn't just that there was okay there was the 
so Auburn got lucky on a couple of things. And then Alabama misses a 30-yard field goal, donks it off the mm-hmm. off the the uprights like like you were starting late at. late in the fourth. Yep. And I mean this kid, let's see. He had gone I I think I heard like 2 years without missing a field goal. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to man, why can't I find it? Made he no, it was something. It wasn't quite like that. He was eight for eleven on the year. Hmm. Never mind then. I don't know where. I heard Maybe that. it was an extra point. Maybe it was extra points that he had missed. But he was eight for eleven on the year. So it's not like he was bad by any means. But he he missed that, and then some weird coverage thing. Saban's special teams guys were completely befuddled and. Auburn was about to punt the ball, and Alabama was going to get the ball back with, I think, oh, a minute and a half left or something. That 12 men on the field And they penalty, had 12 men on the field. Which I thought that was... That never would happen. This was my whole point. Auburn <laughs> had more luck in that 60 minutes than Texas Tech has had in the entire last 10 years of their existence as far as football. Football luck has not been kind to, to Texas Tech. But I would it's, agree. It's on Auburn's side, especially when they're playing Alabama for whatever reason. Like the kick six, yes, Chris Davis, which they they ran ran that play a few times for several reasons. And I remember, like, they had a big recruiting weekend. Whether it was like a month or whatever, like before signing day, they basically painted his path on the field oh. for the recruiting weekend, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty good. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, going back to that twelve man on the field penalty, I thought that was a at the time of a snap penalty. That the defense doesn't really have a, a air quote formation, so like you, you, I guess they were set. I guess they were just determined. But they weren't though. They were they were moving. Like had had Auburn snap the ball. Like you, you don't know if Alabama was was going to notice that and, and and try to run one of the guys off. But like there are times when you have more than eleven guys on the field because you're making a substitution. Well, I think Alabama one of the guys- was not set. One of the guys that ran in ran all the way to the opposite end of the field and lined up across from somebody. And so I guess that was their thought process of, oh, well, this is who they're going to play with and this ain't going to work. And and on top of that... It, it, it just felt like it was, it was really f- premature to call that. It's, it's a five-yard penalty, right? And it was on, on fourth and four. Yes. <laughs> if Even if that would have been Tech, even if that would have happened to Tech, it would have been fourth and six. Yep. And... Yeah, so there were so many things that went Auburn's way. Sorry, I, I did not mean to get us talking about the Iron Bowl. For I know, five I know, I didn't mean to do that either. We we were talking about coaches. Yes, we were talking about coaches, the silly season, the carousel. So what, what's what's going and on? We'll go through that really quickly. So n- notably, two coaches or two staffs in the Big Twelve have been affected thus far. Thus Matt, far, <laughs> Matt Campbell at Iowa State has signed an extension through twenty twenty five. Yay. That's, man, it's a bummer, man. Yeah. Um, and then Texas, strangely enough, Tom Herman keeps his job, basically cleans house of everybody else that coached for him. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, especially when, when, when you consider his, he fired his offensive coordinator and their offense was like 20th in the country this year. Like, yeah, their offense was fine. It, it was fine. And offense they, they, they was not the problem. Like four. Almost forty points a game, or whatever it was. I don't. I don't have the stats in front of me. They were fine. Defense, you can understand. Like, okay, you're gonna clean house on that side. 
Todd Orlando, T.O., as uh, Matt Wells calls him, which is interesting. Um, yeah, so Tom Herman and Texas basically part ways with everybody except for Herman, which we were talking Del about. Del Conte, I, I don't know what your thought there is. Like, why not just go ahead and replace Herman, too? Like, he's not doing a whole lot of coaching if he's anyways. Yeah, we, we were talking about that before we recorded, and I just wanted to bring up the same thing I said then was just imagine wherever you work, if you're if you're in charge of several people, if y'all just kind of had a ho-hum year, you just decide to fire everyone and start over, how that would look, or vice versa, if, if your boss decided to fire you and all your coworkers because there was kind of a ho-hum year. Because like, well, you had an okay year. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of... Well, you underperformed a little bit based on your budget, or but I, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's weird. It, it never works in any other scenario. No. Uh, University of Washington head coach Chris Peterson stepped down. I, I did see a headline that said um, he was attributing it his stepping down to anxiety and stress, mm-hmm. and that he was going to be moving into a more of an administrative associate AD type role with their athletics department. Well, do you think he would be interested in getting back into coaching, say, year 2021, 20, 2022? Are you projecting an opening at Texas Tech? Well, you know, there's <laughs> it's a pretty laid-back atmosphere out here in Lubbock. It's, uh, Is it as laid-back as Seattle? I, I, I don't think there are a lot of people in Seattle that really, truly care about their football. Man, that's not a bad point. And it's also Seattle. Like, It's not a bad place to live. It's it's a bigger city, probably harder to get around in. Oh, it's, it kind of sucks. I've been up there like three times, and it's... Man, I don't know. People are laid back up there, too, just a different way. Yep. Yeah. Well, I wasn't meaning anything. <laughs> so, they just are. Can't smoke that down here, <laughs> yeah, coach. Just, just a little little different type Sorry, of laid I'm back. I'm not saying he, he enjoys the marijuana. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Other coaches, Chad Morris and w- Willie Taggart, have been fired for some time now. Yes. Both Arkansas and Florida State, respectively. Kind of surprisingly, I don't think anybody saw it. Matt Luke from Ole Miss was fired. The players were everybody. Just yeah. Recruits. Everyone's just kind of like, all right, well, this doesn't make any sense. Barry Odom at Missouri was fired. Uh, familiar name Charlie Strong at South Florida was fired. And then, like we said, everybody at Texas. So, Oh, uh, speaking of a little bit of trivia, we'll get into uh, the Big 12 recap uh, South Florida. This just reminded me that was a, the Bulls, the last bowl game that Texas Tech participated in, and lost in heartbreaking fashion. Texas Tech has not won a bowl game since 2013. Since you went the Holiday Bowl, eight and six that year, eight and five, eight and five. That's what I meant. When you went seven and f- seven and zero, oh, got to number ten in the country, <laughs> lost to Oklahoma <laughs> on some questionable calls. I'm I'm still. A little salty that Jakeem Grant was called for offensive pass interference when Gabe Lynn was tearing his jersey off, but it's whatever. Yeah. You never recovered from that little stumble. No, you, you go own five to finish the year. I had a still, conversation. Still haven't recovered. Had, we had a, still haven't recovered. Conversation on Twitter this afternoon saying, "I mean, that's that's the high point of the Kingsbury era, and he did that with somebody else's team, like the talent from what Tuberville had built up for three years because he." greatly out recruited Kingsbury. Yeah, he did. Um anyways. Just thought that. Thought yeah. th- just tied in slightly. Okay. 
Okay, let's talk about Big 12. Week 14, final regular season week. Obviously, Texas Tech lost on the road to Texas. Not a close loss, so I guess you could say there wasn't a three point, another three-point loss. No. You, you, you <laughs> Ended on a 49-10 to 10 run, so no. <laughs> capped that little joy at, at four games or whatever it was this year. <laughs> West Virginia, surprising. What? I don't... What? It's stupid because it, it then puts you in ninth place in the Big 12. West Virginia wins and defeats uh, TCU. I think they finished with more conference wins. Yes, they did. you did. They, uh, did. They, they defeated TCU on the road 20-17. to 17. Baylor destroys Kansas 61-6. to 6. They, they did it with like five or six turnovers too. Oh, that's ugly. I didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. Iowa State went on the road to Kansas State. Farmageddon lost by 10. Wildcats win eight games this year, eight and four. Jealous. Me too. Chris Kleiman. First-year coach. Would, like, nobody here would have would have accepted Kleiman as a head coach, right? But then he rolls the Wildcats to eight Probably, minutes. you know what? Probably not. As as much backlash as well got, Wells got from being the, in the Mountain West, imagine hiring an FCS coach. Yeah, yeah but he's a... <laughs> He, he fits the culture He's better. won so many championships. Yeah, yeah. but that's F- FCS, man. Yeah. This Big 12 is different. I, I definitely would take eight wins over four. Dang right. <laughs> eight and four is a lot better than four and eight. And then Oklahoma finishes off their 11-1 and one season on the road in Stillwater, 34-16 um, over the Pokes in the annual Bedlam game or bedlam whatever bedlam i was about to call it bedlam bowl and i thought no that's not right i think it's just bedlam bedlam it's like share it's just share just one word yeah bono yeah edge nope he's the edge adele (laughs) that's true all right um tay tay (laughs) we did we did mention next deck does finish ninth in the big 12 this year (laughs) Plenty of room for improvement, Matt Wells. Here we go. Four and eight, two and seven in his first year. Big 12-wise, there is the conference championship game this weekend. Get a rematch because round-robin schedule plus a championship game means you're going to get a rematch. Oklahoma and Baylor. I, I, I can't decide which way this – I can't decide how I think the game will go. Because it was close the first time where Baylor got to a big lead. Oklahoma was able to chip away and end up heroically <laughs> come back. It was insane. Um, and it, it could it could end up being a very close game or Oklahoma could just roll Baylor. Baylor's just one of those teams like surprisingly, I don't know how they did so well and how they were able to stay on the plus side of so many close, strange games. This the game against Kansas was their most dominant game of the year. Yeah, like they they beat Kansas by more points than even their FCS opponents. FCS opponent. Yes, I, I'm not sure. Like Stephen F. Austin, whoever it was. I have no idea what to think about this game. I don't think OU's going to roll. I, I mean, Baylor's defense is pretty legit, mm-hmm. but not pretty. They they are legit. It, it's a good defense. Are they the best defense in the Big Twelve? Probably. I think so too. And it's not like they're like a dominating defense either. It's it's a really strange, like they're they're solid at everything they're, they do. Every position, I don't. They don't really have a weak 
position group. Like they're they're not gonna they're not gonna sack the quarterback eighteen times. They're not gonna stop every run at the line of scrimmage. But like they're not gonna give up seventy two yard passing plays every other drive. I mean, there's there's stuff like that. Just kind of consistent groups yeah. that I I don't know. They've they're better defensively than the Sooners. Obviously, there's a lot more talent on the Sooner offensive side than Baylor. But saying that is not saying that Baylor doesn't have skill on the offensive side. But one thing did C.D. Lamb not play against Baylor the first time? I'd have to go back and check. I don't remember hearing his name a bunch. I watched part of that game. I think that was. Uh, hang on, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking it up. But yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the rematch is this weekend, Saturday, December seventh, Cowboy Stadium in Dallas, ABC, eleven a.m. Yeah, C.D. Lamb did not play. Oh, goodness. Excuse me. Um, he did not play for in Waco. You're such a professional over there, not letting me break you. So that could take. Mm-hmm. Still going. That I'm still going. I'm still rolling. That could take. Must be the blue chew. Uh, some of the. No, we'll see. Now you've lost me. <laughs> there it is. Got him. Now you've lost me. <laughs> Spencer's over there. I'm so sorry. This is this is a serious podcast, you guys. <laughs> we're very serious. Yeah, we're very serious. Gosh, how we, long we, ago was that when we got that review or whatever that we were just cracking jokes the whole time? I don't even remember cracking jokes the whole time. But someone someone was not a not a fan. Which That's is fine. fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. We're, we're we're not we're not we're not bitter or we're not we, we we're don't not hold a grudge about that at all. No, no we are not, not everyone's cup of tea. Speaking of not being everyone's cup of tea, how about going four and eight? <sighs> You want to recap this season? Let's do it. Tech Tech finishes the season at 51 in the S&P Plus. That's actually a little bit higher than I was expecting. I know. That's what kind of hurts. The thing that, that catches me off guard, Arizona at 96. Also 4-8. and eight. Also a team that beat you. They doubled you up on the road. And there was a time in that game where you're like, there's nothing we can do to stop them. They, they didn't have another defensive performance like they had that night against you. I don't know what it was about hosting you, Texas Tech. They had crappy defense going into that game. They had crappy defense the rest of the year. That <laughs> night, though, held you to 14 points and broke your quarterback's collarbone. Yep. Or whatever it was. Kansas, unsurprisingly, 105, but they beat you. Yeah, that, that's, what I was, that's all I was trying to get with those. That kind of hurts. So we're going to go through the offensive stats. Michael pulled these together. I'm going to give you historical context to kind of give context. Sorry, that's kind of speaks for itself. Okay, I, I will. What do you think? I was thinking of just kind of rattling through these. I'm not going to say every single stat. You can y'all can check the notes. The main thing I was trying to get across was just where Tech wound up nationally in you know, several categories that I thought were interesting at least. And my historical context will be how this year compares to the past decade. Okay. Okay. All right. So third down conversion. On only, sorry, on only some of these, I don't, I didn't look up all of them that, that get would have been way too long. And no, I understand tedious to listen to. So third down converge. This is just offense. We've, we've got offensive, defensive, and a few special team stats. So buckle in. Uh, but it's offensive good radio, stats, bunch of numbers coming at you. Bunch of numbers. I like numbers. Offensive stats coming at you. Third down conversion rate. Tech ended um, at 84th in the country for 38.2%. That's, you know, kind of 
not, I mean, you're on the wrong side of halfway, but that doesn't seem as bad as I thought it was. Maybe it's just because we got to witness all, all of those third down attempts and got to only see 38.2 of them succeed. Uh, First downs. Tech had 298 first downs on the year. That is tied for 10th. And you are in good company, friends, with SMU and Alabama. Uh, so able to move the ball here and there somehow. I mean, I, I except on third down, I, I guess this is when Tech was able to get a big play on second down, basically. Uh, but tied for 10th with the most first downs in the country. And rushing, rushing offense. Do you have some historical numbers on this? Because I'm curious to see if you do. I'm, I'm doing a, a, a tally really quickly on how many three and outs you had this season. Oh, okay, okay. I'm most of the way through the season. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. All right, I'll just keep rolling. So rushing, Tech ended up 83rd in the country, uh, averaged 4.44 yards per carry, not too bad, 20 touchdowns. Uh, and then you've got some historical stuff here where it's the sixth most over the last decade. And the highest was in 2015 where tech averaged 5.36 yards per carry had 34 rushing touchdowns. Uh, a number I was, didn't mention, sorry, a number I didn't mention tech averaged right at 150 yards per game this year. And in 2015, you're showing they averaged 191 yards per game. And this was behind Deandre Washington's big year. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Really interesting. We'll talk about this in defense. 2015 was your best rushing year offensively. Was also your worst rush defense year. Oh, you great. gave up almost 300 yards a game. There's you averaged like 280 yards on the ground. Rushing? Given, given up. Giving up rushing yards, 280. Average per game across the season. Sorry. Oh, 20, okay. 2015 would have been a rough year to have a podcast. Okay. <laughs> but you also had Pat Mahomes, who was like, had. 5,000 yards and 50 passing touchdowns. Sure, but it would have Offense just, was ridiculous, uh, just matched by how ridiculously bad the I defense think was. I think I would have been beside myself the fact that he played at Kansas State. Why is he out there? <laughs> give, our boy a, give our boy a rest. Okay, uh, passing. Passing offense. Okay, now we're getting to some good numbers. Okay, sorry. Really quickly, go back to the third down conversion. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, only just because it's third down. On this season, you ended up with 32 three and outs. I don't have this, the splits to tell you like the scenarios where that came from in terms of um, like first drive of the half or the, or the game. But anyways, 32, 32 three and outs. That and sounds th- high. <laughs> and th- that's three plays and punt, not like three plays, fewer first than- down. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, and and not fewer than three plays in a turnover because you had another four or five of those or four plays in a punt. <laughs> yeah. It's literally three plays, did not get 10 yards, and you punted the ball 32 times this year. All right, sorry, go on. Passing, seventh. It's an average of three per game. That's not, that sounds right. That sure feels right. Yeah, passing, seventh in the country. I didn't expect it to be this high, but it sure was. Well, it's seventh in the country, but with a lot – fewer yards than I would I was expecting to be seventh in the country. I agree. That's why I didn't think about it, but it, right at um, 3,900 yards, uh, 11.4 yards per catch, 24 passing touchdowns, 
right at 300 yeah 325 yards per game which i mean tech has averaged 400 yards per game before yeah so historically at least of the past decade this is the fewest number of passing yards and touchdowns over the past 10 seasons your next lowest passing yards was 4145 so uh 250 more yards yeah that was 2011 behind Seth Daigie. So that would have been Tuberville's. Tuberville and Neil Brown's second year. Yeah. Um, and then the second highest or next highest touchdowns was last year. You combined for 28 between Bowman, Duffy and Carter. Yeah. It's been but 24 passing touchdowns. Like Mahomes in 2015 did that in like four games. It's almost like the whole, you know, LSU still throws the ball around. I, I I wanted to look up and and see who was in the top ten, but it wasn't a huge passing year. It it's well, if it, if it seems like the the thirty nine hundred yards is seventh in the country. No, 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 it's it, not a good passing. Year. I think that that can kind of be attributed to there didn't seem to be a lot of super lopsided wins like some of the ones you see where you where you're constantly getting into the sixties or the seventies or. Not even lopsided, but just maybe, tech. You mean, yeah, or not tech, just football in general. Oh, okay. uh, sacks allowed. This is another pretty good number, I think. Tech was tied for twenty eighth with eighteen sacks allowed on the year, so that's just what one and a half sacks per game. That's mm-hmm. really, I mean, credit part of that to Duffy's mobility, but not really. I mean, he would step up in the pocket. The, I and mean, the line did a good job. I was gonna say. It, and 18 sacks. I think four of those came against Texas. They did. Yeah. And he had five against Baylor. Right. So he had half of the season sacks in, in two games. Two of the best defensive fronts that you're going to see in the Big 12. And, you know. And you still, you either led or very close to the very top of the Big 12 in sacks given up at yep. 18. Yeah. So that's, I mean, kind of kind of a scary thought because a lot of those guys were Aren't there a couple of seniors on the offensive line? Yes. They you know, they would have trouble run blocking here and there, but pass protection, I really generally thought they did a great job uh, for the most part. I think sometimes they'd hurry, you know, Duffy'd get hurried a little bit, but they did fine. Oh, so That's all I was trying to get out Speaking of pass protection, I don't know if you guys watched the game. You, you may have heard it or picked up on it. Brock Heward was talking about – there was one offensive play that Tech ran. It was a play action play where they pulled the guard and they like they would pull the right guard to the left. The running back would be on the right of the quarterback, would fake the handoff to the left. So it looked like a power play going to the left, right? Brock Heward brought that up and said he talked to David Yost about that. And he said, There's no running play that Tech runs that looks like that. Like when they pull that guard and they, 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 they motion that running back across hundred percent to pass and they ran like five or six times. Great. So everyone else knows that. Well, here's the thing is at game 12, they they, they may install a run off of that. I don't know why they didn't. And I'm pretty sure like it was the same play. I, I saw a jet Duffy highlight video that was published out on YouTube from the stadium account. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was two or three plays in a row of Dalton Rigdon receiving touchdowns. The same play. 
it was that play where they fake the run to the left and then Rigdon is in the middle of the field behind whoever would have been stepping up. So he did it to the, the one in West Virginia, the 81 yards. He had a roll long one against TCU. Um, there was another big long one also late in the season. It was the exact same play. Mm. But when you see him back to back, you're like, how did, why did it take a, a color commentator to, to pick up on this? Not a defensive coach. And maybe they did. Yeah, they may have. It's just interesting. They had a, a play action look that tech never ran out of that. They apparently could have because people had thought, Oh, well this isn't going to be a run. It, it was strange. It, it was successful enough that like Yost and tech just never ran out of that play, that formation, that look. All right. Red zone. You said we're tied for 38th tied at 38th with Kansas and Stanford. Yeah. Great company. Uh, both. <laughs> I, I think Stanford was, was four and eight and Kansas was three and nine, three and nine. Yeah. So red zone offense, I mean, that, that could be worse. You like, had 51 trips into the red zone and 45 total scores. Yeah. Um, so you scored 28 touchdowns and 17 field goals. Yeah. You scored 88% of the time you got into the red zone. And then what do you have here? You've got a, so I have home a home versus road home road split. Oh, nice. When you got into the red zone at home, you scored nine more than 95% of the time. If you were in the Jones, you got inside the 20, you scored man on the road. However, you got inside the red zone. You were only successful less than 83% of the time. Like the, the home road splits with Matt Wells is concerning because <laughs> One, it showed up in the the close losses, his career record for close losses, and yeah. it holds out this year. The red zone, uh, the thing I'm going to talk about a little bit later, there's a significant change in home loss, or sorry, home road splits. And so you're seeing that this is the fourth highest red zone conversion percentage over the last decade. So about middle of the pack there. Yeah. Um, 2017 was the lowest. You had converted at 69%. Yeah, I remember that. That's that's yucky. What hurt 2017 so badly was that 2016 was your highest conversion rate of the past decade at 90 point, 90.5%, 90.5% <laughs> of the time you got inside the red zone, you scored. Yeah. But in 2017, Nick Shimanek, you fell off the table less than 70, fewer than seven, less than 70%. I will get the grammar right on that. Oh, you you got it. All right, let's look at the defensive side. Okay, defensive stats. I kind of did the reciprocal to all of these, and um, third down conversion, eighty ninth in the country. You allowed forty one point seven percent of third downs to turn into first downs. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it got worse as the season progressed. Totally, you, you started a lot higher than that. Yeah. The best performance on third down defense you had over the past decade was 2013, Kingsbury's first year, when you only allowed opponents to convert on just under 34% on third down attempts. Worst, going back to 2015, the Mahomes offensive explosion, he and DeAndre Washington, you gave up a first down on third down nearly 50% of the time. 49.74%. That's rough. So this was better than that. This is, that was also the year you were giving up 280 plus yards on the ground per game. 
which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, first downs allowed. I don't even know if that's really that great of a stat. I just threw it in there anyway. Tied for 94th with a couple other teams. 265 first downs allowed for the year. Uh, passes intercepted. I wanted to throw this in there because I knew Tech would be pretty high on that. Tied for 14th with 14 interceptions appropriately. Mm-hmm. And did Coleman end up with eight? Yeah. He, once he got to eight, like whatever it was, I it's TCU, whatever the last one he had, like he, he finished there. He, the, the school record I think was 12. Oh, he wow. had, he had plenty of time and it was like in 1939 too, in a year that they didn't throw the ball. The, well, they the, were probably ter- They were apparently <laughs> terrible at it. That one defender was like the leading receiver for the other team. <laughs> yeah. he, he, I think he had 12 or 12 interceptions in the year. Coleman had a shot at tying or resetting that. Um, this year though, you tied what well, is the second most in the last decade. There were two other years that had 15, 2011 and 2015. That 2015 that was turnover year, year. That was the only thing that Gibbs could do was generate some turnovers. Yeah. Cause your turnover margin, uh, didn't, it didn't like crack the, the top few for 2015 this year you were plus four. Um, your highest was plus 11 in 2017. And then your worst minus 14 in 2013. I don't even remember how that happened. You, I think you had like five interceptions on the year. Like, Oh, at least like you only no, your defense only forced five interceptions and like, Two or three fumbles. Well, yeah. Well, and that was the Webb Mayfield fumbleception extravaganza, extravaganza that year, too. And you also never turned teams over. You had a really hard time with that. That's how you go 0-5 to end the year. Rushing defense. Here we go. 81st in the country. I'm thinking that's not bad. Now, I haven't actually seen the stats yet, your historical stats yet. But, okay, just... For your for your personal viewing pleasure, rushing defense, 81st in the country, 4.39 yards per carry allowed, and that averages out to 172.5 yards per game on the ground allowed. Doesn't sound awful to me. Not but when I'm, you look back just a few years. Because I'm a Red Raider <laughs> fan, so that allowing 173 yards per game on the ground seems okay. I, I think we're just so scarred from those couple of years where yeah, like, and it, it trended up too. like, I, I remember that feeling in 2013 when you gave up like 200 yards a game, you're like, Oh my gosh, we're terrible at stopping the run. 2014 was worse. 2015 was the worst. So we mentioned gave up 280.5 yards per game, <laughs> more than six yards a carry and 49 touchdowns. That's their 2015 rush defense. It's poor, the worst. Poor Pat. Okay, this year's third down defense, third down rush defense. When you force a team into third down and seven to nine yards, you averaged giving up nearly 11 yards per carry. So you were right. This is That's this year? That's this year. So you were on to... Well, because that's usually it was some the, QB scramble Yeah, on third and eight... And he'd pick up nine or something. Yeah, he'd pick up exactly what he needed. Yeah, this is just the rush defense side. And it was the worst at this weird 
like third and long, third and seven to nine yards, you average giving up 11 yards per carry. Fourth down, Grant, you had a much smaller sample size here. Fourth down rushes, you had, you average giving up eight yards a carry. So all they... <laughs> Your rush defense on third and fourth down was atrocious this year. Wow. Okay. Especially third and long. Yeah, pass defense. Rush defense. That's crazy. Okay. Speaking of atrocious, let's talk passing defense. Let me break this down into three awful categories. And this is what got Todd Orlando fired at Texas was their pass defense. Yeah, because Texas Tech is 128th in the country. That used to be on, dead last, and now it's not. It's not anymore. You're still close. Yeah, dead last is 130th. So 128th in the country, and that's ranked by yards allowed per game at 307.8. And the reason that Todd Orlando got fired was because Texas was 127th. So they DBU my ass. They, <laughs> they they ain't got no DB. Well, they're they're fixing that. They're 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 addressing that. They fired the defensive staff. They fired everyone, so they're addressing it. Did Matt Wells? Not See, yet. No, no. And I think he he may stick with this guy, or maybe shuffle some guys around. Or I, I would think I at the very least, like your your DB coach has got to get shaken up. But yeah, let's Kerry Cooks. Listen to how bad this is. Tech allowed 307.8 yards per game. That's 128th in the country. Passing Which, yards. That doesn't sound that bad for the Big 12. It doesn't. But not when you pair it with 170 rushing yards. Sorry, go on. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and then when you pair it with this, if the quarterback threw the ball, period, whether it, anyone caught it or not, Tech was 127th in the country, allowing 9.17 yards per passing attempt. That's per attempt. So if Which a quarter, includes if a quarterback threw, threw the ball to clock, if he threw it away, if he spiked it, he might have gotten a first down. <laughs> Very nearly got a first down. Okay, now and this this is by far the worst stat. Which if if he's picking up nine yards per attempt, yards per completion's oh, got to be way up there. Yep. Spoiler alert: It is. Texas Tech averaged 14.96 yards per completion, and that does land you 130th dead last behind some poor team that had 14.95 yards per completion. So by .01 yards, by 100th of a yard, you allowed the worst yards per, com- yards per catch in the country. And I completely believe that based off of how many 40, 50, 60, 80 yard touchdowns. There was a 75 yarder on the first play of after a kickoff in Austin just this last week. Mm -hmm. And that's what killed you on a lot of these games. That's what killed you in Kansas. That's what I got you in Kansas. That's what killed you in, um, well, not maybe not so much in Arizona, but Iowa State. Iowa State for sure. You know, even if Kohler only caught like three or four catches each of them was 20 plus yards or something baylor yep especially late wide open guys uh, or you which of uh, course course. that was just (laughs) going to be a biblical massacre no matter what but yeah so texas tech needs to work on not allowing 15 freaking yards per completion on defense good gosh okay moving on a little bit better but not really Sacks, defensive sacks, tied 72nd with 24 sacks. 
You need to get more pressure on the quarterback. Their, your, the, your leading sack was Eli Howard with five. Those guys, the quarterbacks had copious amounts of time all year mm-hmm. to make plays. And not only to make plays with their with their arms, but with their feet. So that's how you get those third and 21 conversions by Jalen Hurts or whatever, just by running the ball. Uh, I, th- there has to be some work done up front, to, like you said, to, to actually put some pressure on those quarterbacks. Because as great as Jordan Brooks is, that's not his job. That's I mean, he can he can be the spy or he can, if the quarterback rolls out of the pocket, then he can get to him, but... He's he's not he can't do everything, guys, and he's about to be gone. So, I mean, I think Washington played well. I, I think Howard played well. The, the guys up front did they did okay, but and they did a pretty decent job stopping the run. But the quarterback just always seemed like he had way too much time. We mentioned it several times where it felt like anytime you you brought pressure or a blitz, it was a step late. Yeah, they they never seemed they to got get rid of the, to the quarterback. Yeah, and then the one position we were expecting to be your havoc creator, that um, hybrid defensive end linebacker, was in flux. You had guys rotating in and out all season. You ended up playing Xavier Benson most of the year. So as a freshman, it just putting pressure on the quarterback was not. But you weren't very successful doing that this season. No. Special teams. Special teams. Uh, we can rattle through these pretty quick. This is something that surprised me, but maybe not y'all. I think it finally got brought up in the last couple of games, but the kicking return defense was atrocious. Which is interesting because you only gave it one return for a touchdown. Right. That's true. And that was... Against Kansas State. Against Kansas State, yeah. But they were tied... On, on a play that had two blocks in the back. Go on. But by yards, they were tied 125th in the country, allowing 26.5 yards per return on kickoffs. So that's not good. Uh, Sorry. Kickoff returns, 51st in the country. Um, you gained 21.6 yards per return. Punt return defense, 30th. 5.2 yards per return. That's pretty darn good. Good punt coverage. And a lot of that can be attributed to McNamara. Yeah, I was going to say McNamara, he didn't, very much like Panazzolo last year, did not allow very many returns because no. it's just excellent positioning and just how deep it was and the hang time. He didn't lead the country in yards per punt. I think AM's dude had it like 49 yards or whatever. He was close though. As a true freshman, I'm, I'm going to, I may. Yeah, net punting. I'm going to jump one more ahead of you. Net punting, Tech averaged 42.5 yards per punt, which is good for sixth in the country. Yeah, sixth in the country. So that that's a combination of how deep your punter is getting it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that... I, Blue not, chew. Yep, there it is. So punt returns as far as uh, carrying yards per return. 90th in the country, not great. 5.87 yards per return. Uh, I think some of that is because you may have returned some you shouldn't have, and so I, I bet that counts against you. Uh, field goal kicking, Trey Wolf, freshman Trey Wolf, freshman punter, freshman kicker, twenty for twenty-two on the year. And Matt Wells was a little 
nervous or anxious about both of them going into the season. I remember totally Don Williams, every chance he got asked him about the specialists and Wells is like, when there's something to talk about, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Practically Mac- called him out. <laughs> McNamara and Wolf both had fantastic freshman seasons. So if there's anything to take from this last 20 minutes of reading all this stuff <laughs> for, for next year, tech has a, has a pretty great punter. Yep. <laughs> pretty great field goal kicker. I mean, seriously, I'm not even, I'm not trying to be funny. These guys are, they're very good at their job. And then uh, the seventh best offense in the country, most, not most, but quite a few of those guys are coming back. That's something to, to look forward to. And Yo said the quarterbacks usually make their biggest jump from year one to year two. Yep. Um, Which you would assume that would apply more to Duffy than Bowman because of how much Duffy played. You know, a Texas Tech team that only gives up 173 yards per game on the ground. And that's good. And you had your, I don't know how the Texas game figures into this because I haven't checked that stat yet, but your defensive points per game allowed was the lowest in the past decade at like 28 or whatever it was. Oh, I didn't even look at that. Yeah. So there's there's some hope for next year, but... <clears throat> I'm not sure if I'm ready to get into next year yet. Uh, this year still stings a little bit. All right. So I want to talk about something. Uh, there is a poster hanging up in the main meeting room at the football training facility. It's a, of a, a diagram of a football field. And it basically has expected number of drives end in scores based on where the drive starts. Or percentage. By percentage, and that yeah. is the best way I know how to, to to read this. Seth actually wrote a post about it before the season. I'm going to write a post about how Tech did this year based on this, and I'll, I'll link back to Seth's. Really quickly, I'm going to read through these really quickly. Expected success rate on a drive starting between the Texas Tech goal line and the nine-yard line, meaning you've got 90-plus yards to go. Wells or Yost, whoever put the, the benchmark scoring 19% of the drives. Okay. Between the 10 and 19, 25%, 20 and 29, where the majority of your drives should be starting, 38%, 30 and 39 yard line, 45%. So they're going to keep getting your expected scoring percentage was going to go higher the closer you get to the goal line, obviously. Um, 40 to 49 is 53%. Midfield. To 40, I went ahead and added that extra yard in there, 58%. So now you're in the other team's plus, territory. Yeah, on, on the plus side, between the 39 and 30, 73%, with 50% of those coming from touchdowns. 29 to 20, 75%, 55% touchdowns. 19 to 10, 89% touchdowns. And then inside, if you take over possession inside the 10, you're expected to score 100% of the time. Okay, so that's a lot of numbers. Um, as I said, the majority of your drives started between the 20 and 29. 75 drives this year started within that range. One, you did not have any drives started inside the opponent's 20. So that 19 to 10 and 10 to goal line ranges, you had zero. Of the 
Really? We were never pinned deep on a punt? No, the other way around. You never took over the ball. Oh, 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 close on the to opponent. the... Yeah. Close. Yeah, you didn't recover... Within, f- within 20 yards of scoring. Okay, you didn't pin someone deep and then recover a fumble mm-hmm. or something like that. The closest you had starting field position was this past week against Texas when you recovered that fumble, whatever, on the 24. Yeah, okay, I got you. Okay. Of the eight sections remaining, you outperformed the expected scoring on six of them. Hey. Unfortunately, the two that you did not outperform are where you had the most number of drives start. Oh. Between the 2029 and 30 and 39. Collectively, you had 97 drives start between those that 20 yard those 20 yards. Between the 2029, you're expected to score 38%, you scored 33. Okay. 30 and 39, expected to score 45. You scored 27. Oh. Well, the 30, you know, a, a 38 to 33% drop doesn't sound that crazy, but almost a 20% mm-hmm. percentage point drop. And that feels right. That sure felt frustrating to get the ball at what the, at your own 38 yard line and then not be able to move the stinking sticks. Mm-hmm. Or or to or, or to go down there and and run a crazy fake field goal and uh, yeah, so you had five drives start with inside your own ten, you scored one touchdown, you punted four times, so you got twenty percent there, expected nineteen. Yeah, took over the ball twenty four times between the ten and nineteen, you scored nine touchdowns, punted fifteen times. 75 drives between the 20 and 29. You scored 13 touchdowns, 12 field goals. You punted 50 times on drives that started between the 20 and 30. 30 and 39, 20, 22 drives, four touchdowns, two field goals, 16 punts. So you punted 50 times and essentially... Or turned you, it over. It was a punt or turnover. It was you, unsuccessful drive. Where you get the ball after a kickoff, basically. Essentially. Now... Funny you mentioned that because here's the surprise that I was looking at. Okay, I'm ready. On possessions that started with a touchback, as in you had no return yards, you had 23 possessions that started on touchback. You scored four touchdowns. Four field goals. You punted 15 times. So when is this offense successful? (laughs) It's successful when you take over the ball Near midfield, between 40 and 49 yard line, you scored 59% of the time that you took over the ball there. All right. Um, 83% when you were in plus territory at around midfield. 83% between the 39 and 30. This also accounts for the two missed field goals because both of those happened when you took over the ball in plus territory. Yeah. Which hurts would. hurts your, your percentage here. And then the 29 to 20, Surprisingly, you had four drives this year that started inside the opponent's 30. 100% you scored. Yeah, we did. Which, disclosure, I I guess it does include the two overtime drives against Baylor and then the one drive against Texas. You really only had one other one throughout the season. Anyways, my point was, even if you started a drive... At the 25-yard line, if you returned it, you were much more successful than if it was a touchback. I don't know what it is. But 
I saw this. I, I was going through. It was probably around the Kansas game. I was like, we aren't getting as many touchbacks anymore. We're getting returns that will get to about the 25. They started, they started bringing it out a lot more, and it seemed like some of the guys would get a little confused. Or we would – I remember there'd be times Carter would bring it out and – or he'd, he'd kind of hesitate, and then he'd bring it out, and then he'd get splattered at the eight. And you're like, why? Why did we do that? And, and a, So is your theory that they noticed this too, and they started coaching him to bring it out? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because I, I can't see which ones of the touchbacks are they received it in the end zone and took a knee. Or they or, did a or, fair catch. Well, I can see the fair catches because okay. it, it'll say like it was a 55-yard kickoff that the – drive started the 25 which doesn't add up with the math it should be a 65 yard kickoff so yeah because otherwise they'll just flat out say touchback and and on the drive summary they'll say a 65 yard kickoff for a touchback um yeah so special teams tom or doll if you're listening return every kick so yeah which is not at all what we every, thought you ev- should do <laughs> every kick you can because if you take a, a if you take possession on, on a, a touchback for some reason this year you were only successful about 33% of the time. I wonder if it's one of two things. If it's just kind of a momentum thing where the players, they kind of feel jazzed and you know rejuvenated. That, oh, man, you know Keyshawn had a great 17-yard return. That was really something. Let's get out there. Or if the coaches are more rejuvenated as opposed to, all right, I can't just look at my list of plays where we start at the 25 this is usually what I would run here. It's more like, oh crap, we're at the eight. What do we do? Or, or dang, we made it. We made it to the twenty-one. All right, let's see. All right, how, how do I change this up? Maybe mm-hmm. they, maybe it kind of makes them get a little bit more creative on their play calling instead of just all right. Well, good old reliable uh, screen pass on <laughs> on the twenty-five yard line. One because I I can't read minds. It's just interesting. On the twenty-three possessions you took over on a touch on touchback, you scored four touchdowns. Sheesh! Bring them out. Seventeen percent. Bring it out. I'm with you. So, before we get off of football, Michael, I need to let you know, as I'm sure you already do know, but that Deshaun Watson will keep the Houston Texans in the game every weekend. Our favorite Gridiron Warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We are more than halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off of everything else and back on the game. Best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all of your favorite picks. Use promo code chair to activate this, 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 that, this, that, and the other, the offer. That's promo code chair, C-H-A-I-R to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play. You win. You get paid. Nailed it. I clicked off, right? I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't I don't know. We, we're going to talk about basketball 
and it, it, it's going to be okay that we lost two games, but we're going to talk about it. Okay. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Over the top, McCormick in the crowd, stripped by Owens. Ready on the run, bounce pass. Here's Culver. Evans, yes. Game over. Mooney with a crossover and the lob to Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into Tariq Owens who puts it down. Already, Odiasi crowbars it in. Got clocked down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good. Culver got the separation. Oh, big shot. Step it up big time. Dagger. Culver with the dish. Odiasi and one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four club. So Tech is um, no longer in the AP Top 25 poll. No longer undefeated. Uh, looking very vulnerable at the moment. with Without Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, and with... Jemias. Jemias. I don't know where I got Jalen Ramsey <laughs> from. Goodness. Not and even the same sport. With uh, with losses to Iowa and Creighton at the Las Vegas tournament on... Continental Tire Invitational. Well, it was on... I think the it's Iowa game was on Thanksgiving Day. It was Thursday, Friday. Creighton was on Friday. I got to catch most of the second half of Iowa and then most of the first half of Creighton because I was exhausted driving back from DFW Airport in the fog. Oh, that fog Friday night was insane. Ugh. I, I was lucky. I didn't I didn't have to drive in it as long as some others, but yeah, from pretty much from Snyder to Lubbock was just dense knuckle raisin white knuckling. White knuckling fog. But those losses were rough. Uh you, you touched on a little bit in the instant reaction podcast uh, after the Texas game. So I don't know if we want to go into them too much, but I was really surprised because I, I I did flat out go to sleep because I was exhausted at halftime of the Creighton game that Tech managed to come back and take it to overtime. I didn't know that they would be capable of doing that. the The fight that they're showing the second half appears to still be there, even with all these new guys. It seems like Beard's still able to get through them and make some adjustments. Because uh, you got down, you had a larger deficit against Creighton. I think it was seventeen. At some point in the first half, maybe not at halftime. I thought it got up into, into the 20s. Maybe it did. But in the second half against Creighton, you were able to get it. You had a lead for a little bit, or you got it tied. Obviously, to send it to overtime. But, yeah, and like you said, Ramsey didn't play against Creighton. Um, Ramsey will not play against DePaul, as far as I know. I think he's out uh, against DePaul on Wednesday. So, I. I, you know, obviously, this is this is the exact thing we talked about when the season started. We expected some games like this, and even the Tennessee State game to an extent, where it's a lot of young guys. They're they're ice cold. They're just not. It looks like they're not running an offense at all. They're just kind of throwing it around and then and throwing up a shot. Part of I don't I don't know what to attribute it to, but part of a, a significant part of the loss. My gosh, I can't spit anything out of the losses in Las Vegas. You couldn't hit from three, and you couldn't hit close. 
and they could not miss from three, at least to start both, each game. Both teams were on fire from three. Yeah, they, I, I, that's how they built their big leads. Sure, and they kind of settled down. At least Iowa settled down to kind of a normal <laughs> uh, night from three-point range, but they started out, they couldn't miss. And the, Creighton had a guy that had a career night. He had like eight points the, the game before and then drops like 25 against you. Most of it was three-pointers. Had the stupidest celebration where he'd do his, his three whatever like roll low and he'd flex and he had like broom handles for arms. <laughs> well, it makes no sense. I I have like I'm not I'm not a muscular dude. I had bigger arms. I'm not. I'm, anyways, I I think this is. I don't think it's anything to be concerned with because I still expect the team. I, I think kind of a high bar for this team, and I said it before these two games. Although I didn't say it on the podcast, so no one can. But my boss and I were talking about it. He's super into tech sports, too. And I, I think the high bar for this team would be an eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament, which is something you can do finishing third, fourth in the Big 12. I mean, it's 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 you not don't have to make it to the national championship no, game to have a successful season. Correct. You don't have to make it to the final four even or to the elite eight or I mean, let's just let's just make the tournament. You know, get get kind of in an eight or nine seed and, and just see what happens. So that kind of goes with what we're seeing here. Uh, the thing that probably concerned me the most was Tech's inability to stop Garza, that big guy for Iowa. He could just kind of do whatever he wanted in the lane. Well, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted. That is true. I, I, that announcer, whoever the heck that announcer was, just drove me insane. He never stopped talking and... <laughs> I mean, I know that's part of your job to be a color announcer to 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 talk, but sometimes just let something breathe, man. Let a guy shoot a free throw. Let me catch. <laughs> but anyway, that oh, it's just amazing how this guy hasn't fouled. They kept making a big deal about how he hasn't fouled all year, and then they'd show a replay of him obviously elbowing the crap out of somebody or pushing off somebody and getting open. And it's okay. Come on, he's fouling every play. But the, the our guys got manhandled. I mean. Mm-hmm. Che was not able to he's he, he he's not able to do it yet. You know, Holyfield's not able to do it yet, and we don't want him to get in foul trouble either. It doesn't seem like Chewa knows what he has. Like he's a he has a physically imposing yeah, presence. But he's a young guy still too. And he's not putting it to his use. Holyfield is the next biggest guy, but he's too aggressive in that he's getting in foul trouble consistently early. And I was worried and there's probably Audio of me saying it. I was worried about um, Tariq Owens not being able to to hold his own in the middle, but just because of his size, he was long, but he was super thin. He, yeah, yeah, he and he really managed it, and I, I can't explain how aside from he was just probably older and had more experience and knew how to. All right, you know, hey, I'm not 280 pounds, but I can still keep this guy from scoring, and he, he would figure out different ways to do it. But man, Garza just kind of had his way. That That's probably what worried me the most. And we should probably talk about the DePaul game just a little bit. Uh, game eight, of course, will be at DePaul. That's in Chicago. Wednesday night, 7.30, FS1. You should be able to find it pretty easily. DePaul is 8-0, and including a win over Iowa. 90, on the road. On the road, 93-78. to Defeated Minnesota on the road and Boston College on the road. Yeah. Uh, not a team to be taken lightly at all. Pro- possibly a tournament team. Uh, 
you know, Shannon, of course, is from Chicago. This will be kind of a big deal for him to go back home and play in front of a home crowd. Uh, one of the main things I noticed rattling through just kind of their stats and, and the guys that start, they're an experienced team. Uh, you know, the five guys starting, only one's a freshman. Can't say that for Tech. Uh, there's only one freshman starting. There's three juniors and a senior. That makes up your starting five for DePaul. Uh Charlie Moore's your point guard, 17 points per game, 45% shooting from the field. Paul Reed's the guy to really look out for, too. Another guy that I would definitely be worried about uh, defensively for Tech. He's six foot nine, junior. Obviously, he's a forward. He's averaging a double-double right now in the year, 15 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, shooting 61% from the field. He's not as efficient as Holyfield is. No, that's true. At almost 80%. That is true. Uh, Jalen, uh, it's B-U-T-Z. I don't know if it's Buttes or Butts. Oh, it's definitely Butts. It's Butts. Jalen Butts, another 6'9", junior forward, 11 points per game, 64% from the field. And then, um, let's see, rounding out the starting five, you've got Jalen Coleman-Lands, 6'4", senior guard, and Romeo Weems, a 6'7", freshman forward who uh, – he doesn't. He doesn't seem to be contributing as much as the other guys, but still nine points and six rebounds a game. Uh, then Marquise Jacobs and Darius Hall will be the two guys you see come off the bench probably first. But this is a team that's they've defeated three Power Five teams on the road, and especially Iowa was pretty handily. Ninety three seventy eight, like I 20, said, uh, fifteen points. Yeah, that's a that's is, a pretty yeah. good win. And I'm when a little concerned. I'm a little concerned how this game's going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned as well because I think if you lose this one, you just there's enough negative momentum here that then you've got number one Louisville up next, who's right. climbed the chart, like climbed the ranking in the number one spot. Well, and I kind of remember, you know, to kind of calm our nerves a little bit. I remember how Tech played up until they played Duke last year. This was kind of the same time frame. I don't think Tech had lost, mm-hmm. but and maybe it's because Duke was just phenomenal. But I just completely there was <laughs> I, I I completely expected Tech just to maybe lose by fifteen or twenty or something, uh, not even be in the game. And they had a chance late to, to tie it. Yeah, I mean, they were in it up until the last, what, three minutes maybe? So, uh, obviously, we're not saying anything is just going off the rails. But, man, I wouldn't be surprised if DePaul came out with a win at home. No, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. The The thing that, that has me confident or hopeful is that Chris Beard says that he's really confident and the talent of this team and how they're performing that what we're seeing now is not going to be what we see in January, February and March. Sure. And that's, that's been the exact uh, way things have gone the last couple of years. Uh, Tech really kind of took a leap, you know, maybe about a a quarter of the way through big 12 play, it seemed like, and that may be kind of what we're anticipating here, but you know, I I would be half uh, surprised at this point the way Tech played those last two games. I'd be half surprised to see them win in DePaul this week. But the cool thing about basketball season 
especially in conference play, it's a double round robin schedule. You get to play everybody twice. Oh yeah. And then if, and when you make postseason, like you can, you, you can stack success. You don't have, I mean, you have to be successful at, on one game. Right. But this is not something that you are concerned about where you're, where you're going to end up in March with how you're playing right now. No, the, the two can be completely independent of one another. Learning now and losing sucks. I, I get that. What you're learning now should, should help you be better prepared for these closer games in the conference. You may not be as talented or as well put together as you were last season. I I would maybe not say you're not as talented, but you don't have the same senior leadership that you did when you when you consider Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens. Odiase, I, too. Odiase. I, I think you got more out of them than what you're getting out of Chris Clark and TJ Holy, Holyfield. Holyfield senior, yeah. Um, currently. But it's... You're in like week three of the basketball <laughs> right. season. You've got three and a half more months. Yep. You do have a lot of big games on the schedule. Obviously, Big 12, you're going to play Kansas twice. Oklahoma's always kind of hanging around. Oklahoma State, too. Oklahoma State is quickly rebounding with the way that Boynton's recruiting. Um, anywhere, really, if you look across the conference. Baylor's looking pretty good this year, too. Mm-hmm. So... Game Wednesday night against DePaul. Sorry, I, I got like a big breath. Like I was going to say something. And then I, what was I going to say? <laughs> Wednesday night against DePaul, 7.30 on FS1. Give it a watch. And then next up would be Louisville. 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 All right, Michael. Let's, let's get to some questions. Now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well, well, guys, y'all didn't, y'all didn't give us any questions. Y'all didn't answer any questions or submit anything. Still hungover from Turkey. <sighs> man well we, so we had to come up with our own i actually asked it when i sent out the tweet i just kind of wanted to together everyone's takes on hot sauce now, I'm, I'm not talking salsa because sometimes in texas that could be interchangeable but i'm talking hot sauce the bottled stuff that you that you dab on a oh on some eggs or in some soup or I've even done it in some uh, black-eyed peas. That's pretty. That's pretty good. So anyway, what is your favorite hot sauce, Spencer? Okay, so I like. Do you have a go-to? Oh, for sure. And I've got bottle. I always have a bottle of this Louisiana hot sauce. You like the Louisiana hot sauce? I do. It's a good balance of heat and the bite from vinegar. Like it's a good buffalo type of flavor. Yeah. Um. I don't like Tabasco. I've tried it. It's too it's too thin. Good point. Um, Louisiana hot sauce is a little bit thicker. Really where I like it, though, is I'll put it with ketchup on fries. Oh, kind of make your own little spicy ketchup. I mean, 
using spicy ketchup all is also good, but like Louisiana <laughs> no, hot sauce, you like you shake on the fries and then you, you put, it's so good. Oh, that's the, a good Because salt, salt and vinegar fries are already pretty good, but you also get a little bit of heat too. Okay, well. It's good. It, it, it goes on lots of things. I especially like it on fries. I think someone at work usually has a big old jar of Louisiana hot sauce. And I, I may need to try that because I've seen it, but I haven't tried it. If you're looking for it in the store, it's got a red cap. It's got a yellow, yellow, mostly yellow label with like the red sauce dripping down from the top. Okay, okay. My, my two go-tos. Oh, you have two. Well, really, really one. Really, probably my favorite one. It's Cholula. I reach for the Cholula, and that's more of a kind of Mexican-inspired hot sauce. Uh, it's got a really good flavor to it. It's got a good color. I like the color of it, which is kind darker. of odd to like that, uh, I, to note that. Yeah. But it does, like you said, which I never really thought about, It's it's got more of a viscosity than to, Tabasco, which I like, too. I like kind of the... It's It's not like ketchup or something, but... It's it's not as runny. I can't remember who has it, but they have it. It may be Fuzzies, where they have the sauces on the table. Like they probably have Cholula out. Well, no, not Cholula. They they have a like a house hot sauce that's also really good. Oh, they do. Okay, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Fuzzies does have a really good house hot sauce or whatever yeah. they have on the right. table. It's unmarked in a yeah. glass jar with like the. I drenched the taco in whatever oh, yes. it is. Yeah, that's really good stuff too. Uh, the one thing I don't like, like having being known in my family as liking spicy things, I often get like the spicy gift set, and I've never found a a hot sauce out of there that I like. Um, and probably just like everybody's gonna hate me for my take on green chilies. I, I don't like them. I don't like chipotle. I don't like that flavor of pepper. oh the the kind of smoky. Yeah, I'm not the a big smoky. Fan. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's, it's it has its place, uh, just not on my food. Now, there's a couple <laughs> other. There's, uh, Tapatio is another one that I like quite a bit. It's hotter than Cholula, so I have to remind myself of that because if I'm using Cholula, I can usually douse stuff in it <laughs> and and not really worry about it. But if I use Tapatio, then I've got to kind of tone it back just a little bit, and then. Um, my in-laws introduced me to Crystal's hot sauce, which is kind of a staple in the South, mainly for seafood. Like they use it for oysters or if you've got a gumbo or if you've got something like that, that's Crystal's is kind of the go-to on that, which I've, I haven't bought it, but when I've been there and had Crystal's hot sauce, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So there's our hot sauce talk. Cause we had to come up with our own, our own questions because, cause you guys let us down. And also, we're, we're, we're a food podcast, so we had to bring food back. <laughs> First and foremost. It's been a while. Speaking of food, I over on Sagan Plains, we had our, every writer put together a gift guide. Mine was food related. It was about barbecue and smoking at home, smoking barbecue at home. Yeah, but it was a great one. If you haven't, and I, I'm only using my part as a segue to say, if you haven't been on Sagan the Plains the past couple of days, mm-hmm. I think every writer on the site put together a gift guide and it went, I think it, I think we published an article every hour of the day. Um, and it, it covered everything from national park passports and, uh, fly fishermen beer glasses and, um, 
let's see what else dan had a a, a jeep look-alike side by side it's probably the most expensive item it, it was most expensive item on the gift guides so i think it checked in at between 16 and twenty thousand dollars. yeah i think so too um uh brian had some really brian cool had board some games. games pandemic yeah. i'm a big fan I've I never love, played Pandemic. Love Pandemic. It's fun. It, it's a cooperative game where you're trying to keep a four viruses, diseases from spreading and outbreaking across the oh the planet. But you, the four or however many people people you're playing with, you're working together, and you all have certain. It's it's a lot of fun. Look it up. They also have several expansion packs. Much much better to play with as a family than Monopoly this holiday season. <laughs> Anyways, if you if you didn't check those out, they're all going to be up on Second Planes. Um, the, you just search for gift guides. They're going to be under the miscellany category, but they're most recently. Also, thing you need to check out, Brian did fantastic headers for every single one where he photoshopped either Chris Beard yeah. or Raider Red's face into Christmas holiday favorites. The, the two that are really... I mean, it, all of them were something that I, I'd never be able to do, but the two that really struck me were the one that he did, he did for you, which was basically, there's a scene the, from the Grinch where he's slicing the yeah, ham, the, the Dr. Seuss version of Raider red <laughs> slicing the roast beast, carving the roast beast. It was, it was good. That was really good because he actually had to draw all that. And then he also did a Charlie Brown mm-hmm. Christmas. And I think that was the one that he used for his own, gift deal yeah it's he it did, was fun we had a good time with that the one he, he did for really your good. yours was uh was he elf raider red over uh, will ferrell's character in elf throwing yeah, the specifically while he's throwing snowballs i don't i don't know why that just cracks me up i can't remember who he did it for but he did raider red over cousin eddie from national lampoon's christmas vacation when he was emptying out the rv yes <laughs> shitter's full <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, so it, that movie came on AMC like December first, and I, it's been a long time since I've, I've seen. It. I watched the majority of it, just like oh, I love this movie. I have it's it so on. Fun. It's, it's good. I may have to get out the the DVD because <laughs> I have it on that. That's digital video disc for, for those you. of you listening, <laughs> you zenials out there. Okay, boomer. Um, let's get to what we learned. What do you say to wrap this thing up? Okay. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. You are working through Star Wars in preparation for the new movie coming out 18 days? Ooh, 16 days now. I don't, I don't have it Sorry. down to the day, but yeah, that's. I think that sounds right. I, I'm also going to try to do this. We're also trying to finish up the Marvel series. Oh, man. We, we just That's watched... so much on your plate. Man. I know. We Well, so that... Star Wars is next because of the time timeliness of this. We just finished Ant-Man and the Wasp, which we, we have recently seen it. So I think we've got like uh Endgame, Infinity War, like and then the last Spider-Man. I think we've got like three movies. Yeah, you're really close. So we're and then we're gonna turn to the Star Wars. Okay. Uh well Star Wars update. Well, one thing I learned is that you and I haven't sat and talked for a while so sorry for this very long length of a podcast but uh we also have football and we had to wrap up football and then we're not going to be able to we're not going to be talking football anymore so bear with us on this hour and a half long version they're not going to be this long for the rest of the basketball season but 
Star Wars update. For me, I watched Empire Strikes Back last night. That, of course, is episode five in the series of eight that are currently available to watch um, on Disney Plus, or in my case, I have I have them on Blu-ray because I'm that guy. I'm excited for them to be on Disney Plus. We can just stream it. Whenever. Oh, it's great! And and uh, I watched Empire. It was really, really good. Uh, a well done movie, obviously, and one of the most beloved of the entire franchise. I can see why. It really establishes Han and Leia as a couple, and you can kind of actually see it. Whereas when Anakin and Padme were supposed to be a couple that was, whew, boy, that felt forced. Well, there's also a significant age gap. True. Well, especially well, especially in episode one when it, Natalie supposedly they were only five years apart. But in episode one, it looked like Natalie Portman was late teens, early twenties, and Anakin was like eight. Yeah, there's yeah. a significant age difference there. And two, it was a lot closer when they changed to when they had a different actor and all the that. Terrible terrible actor yeah but uh um, christensen there it is but han and leia i'd kind of forgotten how i mean how great those two actors harrison ford and oh my gosh please don't i'm i'm blanking on her name that's so terrible how am i forgetting her name harrison ford and carrie I hate fisher myself. i hate myself for forgetting carrie fisher's name <laughs> She's great in the Burbs too. She's also great in Blues Brothers. Anyway, sorry. Uh, the late Carrie Fisher. The late Carrie Fisher, of course, and that's one of the reasons I hate myself for forgetting her name right there. Spacing out, huh? Spacing out. But <laughs> oh my god, we've been we've been going too long. Empire Strikes Back. Still, Thanks, still an excellent movie. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was going to make an endurance joke and decided <laughs> not to. Great movie. Uh, Really established the characters well. Yoda, I forgot how charmingly insane he is when you first meet him, and then just a switch goes off when he decides to, you know, drop that character and just become Jedi Master Yoda in front of Luke. That was a lot of fun to relive. Uh, the whole betrayal thing with Lando. Just Lando's a fun character. I'm excited to see him back in Episode Nine. See what he's up to. So anyway, Empire Strikes Back is in the books. I've still got three more to watch <laughs> before uh, I will be fully prepared for opening night. You get plenty of time. Yeah, I've, he's going I'm, without us. Keith yep. Keith has been trying to organize all three of us to go to opening night. This I will be going out of town somewhere on the twentieth or twenty first. Not entirely sure. So like, probably won't be able to go. Super close to opening night. I'm and going that Thursday night. Not entirely confident I'll be able to catch up all the way before then. I've, yeah. I've got some work to do. Yeah, you do. Speaking of them, I haven't watched Star Wars all the way through. I haven't sat down and watched a movie all the way through since the, the theatrical release of the last movie. So what, episode eight. Yep. The Last Jedi. Um. Being that, and because I'm going to have Samantha watch it with me, who has, she may, maybe has seen the episodes once through. What would your recommendation be for watching Order? Should we do it one through eight, or should we do the Machete Order? Machete. <sighs> okay, so which Samantha has seen the movies. 
Yes, but she's aware of the Force. Is she aware of who Anakin Skywalker becomes and or whose offspring he may or may not have? Yes. In that case, I would go chronological. I mean, it was, I would just start at episode one. Okay, go. I was like chronological from release date or chronological from storyline because we're I doing would, we're doing storyline chronological for Marvel. I would I would go storyline chronologicals because that's helped me catch quite a few things this time. Kind of some little tidbits of some motivations as to why the Empire was doing things the way they were doing, and I, I just uh, there were just some some things that I definitely had missed over years of only watching these on cable during Christmas on FX or something or spike TV or whatever it was. Uh, If you've seen them and if you're familiar with basically the force and you're familiar with the big reveal of who Luke's father is and all that, then then you don't understand episode one. You don't understand German. (laughs) Right. Which it's jarring because episode one, you see these Jedi's using the force, using lightsabers, doing all this kind of stuff but they never really talk about what the force is except one random midichlorian scene thing. So the machete order has its advantages like the way Dan watched it, which is great because it introduces you. You get to see episode four and episode five, which they it's four, five, two, three, six. Yeah. Yeah. One's optional, <laughs> which I think is funny because it's in terms of storyline, it's so far removed from the other five. And that's true. In the initial six. And like the last, it was um, it was not the least enjoyable of the prequels when I went back and rewatched. Attack of the Clones was by far the least enjoyable. That one felt like homework. So this this the article I'm reading about why I skip episode one is that is they say it's not that it's bad, it's that it's irrelevant. Oh, I guess and that it, if it you, is if you accept sort of. the Star Wars saga as Luke's journey, um Everything in episode one distracts from that story. The most, probably the, uh, if, if, if you're interested in Palpatine at all, if you're interested in the emperor episode one lends a little bit to that, you kind of see the beginnings of how he's manipulating both sides, uh, and how he's slowly, but surely becoming more and more in power in both sides. But it, it, so that's kind of a, an interesting aspect of it. But he also says every character established in episode one is either killed or removed before that episode ends. Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, Chancellor Valorum, uh, Newt Gunray, Watto, or they're better established in a later episode, Mace Windu, Darth Sidious. Does it matter that Palpatine had an apprentice before Count Dooku? No. Darth Maul is killed by the end of episode one and never referenced again. You may as well just start with the assumption that Dooku was the only apprentice. Does it matter that Obi-Wan was trained by Qui-Gon? No, Obi-Wan is well into training Anakin at the start of episode two. Qui-Gon is completely irrelevant. Yeah. This, it, this is one person's opinion, but they're, they're the one that was introducing well, the Machete Order and skipping episode one. That's what's strange too. Watching Empire, Obi-Wan, when he reappears as the Force, the Force ghost, he talks about how Yoda taught him, how Yoda was his master. Of course, Qui-Gon Jinn was never mentioned in the original trilogy. So it's really irrelevant there, but that was kind of a big mix-up. I'm not sure why Why would Obi-Wan say that when 
he wasn't taught directly by Yoda. I mean, sure, Yoda was on the council and all that. Anyway, we're 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 going <laughs> off into it. Uh, but yeah, this Phantom is not a Menace, Star Wars podcast. Maybe yeah, maybe if we had time, we should start one up. But sure, we don't. Phantom Menace establishes a few things, but uh, it mainly establishes that Anakin's a good pilot, and he's got a lot of force power in him. That's that's kind of one of the the things. Um, but yeah, aside from how Palpatine manages to manipulate the Senate and eventually get total control of it. Uh, no one's really interested in that storyline anyway. But Palpatine's going to be in Episode Nine, so I kind of wanted to know everything I could about that character. Other reasons why to skip one, just really quickly, bullet points from this article. Virtually no Jar Jar. Ugh. No, no midichlorians thing. They say there's only one reference midichlorians after episode one. And in that context, it only appears to mean something like DNA. Uh, no Jake Lloyd. So the actor that played young, Anakin. Young Anakin, yeah. No confusing Padme queen switcheroo. About yep. the whole weirdness about her having twin bodyguard. Well, they and she does have a, she does have a decoy in... I believe it's Revenge of the Sith, but it doesn't make sense because she's no longer a queen. She's just a senator at that point, and she yeah. has a decoy, and it does pay off because uh, her ship gets blown up at the beginning of the movie, and the decoy dies. Yeah. But so it, you would have that backstory. It says the whole subplot with Padme and her decoy makes absolutely no sense. It's clear that this was just so people could interact with Padme without knowing she was a queen. Right. But it's incredibly convoluted and pointless. Less con- less confusing master-apprentice relationships. The Darth Sidious training Count Dooku. Obi-Wan is training Anakin. Blah, blah, blah. Fewer characters learn, so the story is more focused. No virgin birth. No, we, we simply don't know or care who Anakin's father is, and the botched implication that Palpatine knows is gone. Yeah, they were... Uh, Anyways. He was a variance. No, a virgins is what he what he was called. So I'm looking forward to watching it. You say just go one through six or one I, through I eight. would. I mean, if you're familiar with it and you just haven't seen them in a while, I would just start at the beginning. Should I drop in Solo somewhere or just, just leave Have that you out? seen Solo? No. Yeah. I liked Solo. Uh, that would be, um, uh, you'd have to look at the order. Is it like between four and five and five and six? I think it's between. Was it three and four? Three and Rogue One. Rogue One's in there somewhere too. Yeah. Cause there's, there's Anyways. three and I think it's solo then rogue one, then a new hope. Cause rogue one ends exactly when a new hope starts pretty much. Okay. Timeline wise. The other thing I want to mention, touch on, um, those that have older vehicles may know that your, your headlights, the plastic on front, uh, will fade over time, get cloudy. You can fix that and not like by rubbing toothpaste on it or, spraying bug spray on it you actually do like you wet sand down the the imperfections and the the fading plastic on the headlight anyway i'm doing that on my durango um it's actually kind of enjoying to watch it go from like this really nasty yellow hazy plastic so i've got one almost completely done to being crystal clear like it's brand new you basically wet sand and you step up um you can do it anywhere between three. I'm doing, I think, six different layers of sanding. I'm doing 400, 600 grit, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 grit. Stepping up in that order, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. A little fine grit, which makes 
the, the more you get up, the more hazy your headlight's going to get before you clear coat it with a UV resistant paint, which will keep it from doing this again. Anyways, I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. <laughs> it's a process. It is. It, 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 it takes a little bit of time. But it's kind of fun. I'm also trying to collect some tools to work on the, on the Durango. There, there are some things that need to be replaced with just the age of the vehicle. And I want to do it myself, but I don't have a lot of mechanics type tools. So like, yeah, me neither. Like an, an impact wrench, impact gun, impact drill. I have a cordless one, but it's, it's not what I, you would need to work on a vehicle. I don't think I do too. And it's good enough for the mower, but not for a vehicle. Yeah. So anyways, there, there's that. I'm just collecting more wrenches and sockets and, I would need a jack and jack stands and all kinds Maybe of good stuff. ramps and stuff. I wouldn't do ramps probably. Anyways, anyway, I, I don't want to go into that. Shade tree mechanic hour here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking into tinkering with a Durango just because it's something to do. Um, something to work on. Keep getting it better. I don't know how to say that. Anyways, I just got notified Spurs beat the Rockets tonight, 135-133. Nice. All right. Thanks, Michael, for getting back, joining us. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.